What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me, as always, is the man who's a little sad the kids are growing up because he doesn't get to watch the cartoon movies anymore, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. I didn't know I was sad. I thought, wow. (laughs) How many times I've seen cartoon movies over and over? How many parents have done that? There is a liberation to uh, not having to watch all the cartoon shows. So you don't think you're not a little sad? You don't miss laughing at those movies? because. There are some funny kid movies that we have seen over the years. And the kids have looked at us like, what are you laughing at? <laughs> you know that Pixar and Disney, they put those jokes in there because oh, they yeah. know that parents are there watching them with their kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the parents are willing to take them back to watch it just to see that one point again. Our son, if you recall, was one who was very mature in his view because he would laugh at the one same part. He, he was like, I was watching it. He laughed at the one same part in this one cartoon movie, and it was like, every time it came up, he would just lose it. He He thought it was the funniest funniest thing. thing. He was only two. You know, you're right. When our son was just a little guy, he did find certain things really funny, and that's when we really got to learn about his you know, personality and what he liked and what he didn't like and the things that he found really funny. And we realized that we got to a point with the kids that, you know, as they got older, they started to learn to talk, and then we could have conversations a little bit back and forth with them. And then once they got to school and started moving through school, boy, then they started getting ideas. And then they got into high school and we thought, all right, now how do we kind of control these ideas and kind of focus and point them in a good and right direction? But what we always kind of had to remember throughout all of that, no matter what they thought was important, no matter what they wanted to talk about, we needed to make the time to listen and really hear what they wanted to be invested in. Right. In fact, I would argue that parenthood, family life, is the bedrock of how we as society learn to listen and learn to hear. Listening and hearing are are clearly distinct in that hearing means I've processed it Mm -hmm. in a way that now I can repeat it back to you with the hope that it connects to what your desire is and together we we create a mutual mutuality um, and a family. That's kind of our we grew into that when we first saw our son laugh. We were starting to hear him. We were listening for what's his personality. We started to hear his personality, and all through now he's 16 years old, and, and our ki- other girls are older. We've learned their personalities and how to talk to them and listen to them as to how they approach their issues because they're vastly different as any parent can can attest to, but it's so much rooted in that listening, hearing, and responding in a way that is authentic and in a way that isn't controlling, but is truly led by God in the moment. Oh, no doubt. And you know, the times when these conversations really get going and it sometimes feels like there's multiple conversations happening is when all of us get to the dinner table. When we all come together at the table, Boy, there are great conversations. There's a lot of laughing and there's side conversations. And sometimes these topics get really important and we all need to be in on it. Well, something similar is happening within our own church. The Holy Father, Pope Francis, kind of calling us all to the table because he wants to listen to us. 
Right. And and it's just that. It is very much rooted in that familial experience that the the Holy Father feels compelled to draw us in and have us speak what we feel in our hearts needs to be heard. Because what we feel in our hearts, what we might think is ours, may very well be and likely is the gift planted within us by the Holy Spirit. And how how easy that is to to just overlook it and claim it as my my feeling. Well, your feelings rooted in a history that the Lord has led you into and now is presenting to you in a way that you can share the beauty of it. Oh, and the beauty of it for all of the church as we enter into this synodal process as a church universally, it's going to be really kind of an exciting time, but could also be a tense time. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. Coming up, we are going to be talking with Tim Hunt. Tim is the Executive Director of Planning and Mission Effectiveness for the Archdiocese of Seattle. And we are going to be discussing, well, the synodal process. And then our second half, we want to touch on what does it take to be not only a good listener, but also a person who speaks from the Spirit's prompting. So stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Follow me into the great unknown Where pink flamingos grow Diet soda flows and what you take magically When you give into thinking that's ripping you to shreds, that deflates your confidence, that caves into all your fear, you're not just thinking negatively. You're thinking in a way that's unholy. God wants his people to face everyday life, not just redeemed from sin, but with redeemed attitudes, redeemed thinking, a redeemed sense of who they are. Stop beating yourself up between your ears all day. No wonder why you look tired all the time. St. Paul wrote, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You should think like someone who believes in a God who created you with purpose, who gives meaning to every experience, even suffering who bestowed dignity and royalty upon you and who destined you for eternal glory. And why should you think that way? Because it's all true. So when the way you think builds you up instead of ripping you down, that's not just positive thinking. That's godly and holy thinking. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. The church dedicates the month of November to the holy souls in purgatory. Join Matre Day Radio as we unite with the communion of saints. We pray daily for the souls of all the faithful departed and for the intentions of the living who are broadcast at the celebration of the Holy Mass, the Holy Rosary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and uplifting spiritual reflections. We also pray for your specific intentions on Matre Day Radio's prayer hotline. Our dedicated team of intercessors is ready to hear from you now at 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737. Or you can send your intentions through our website at matradayradio.com and the new Hail Mary Media app. Unite with us throughout November as we pray for the holy souls and your intentions at Matraday Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Last year, 
13 lay Catholics and two clergy from around the Archdiocese of Seattle were appointed to a new pastoral council that began creating a new pastoral plan for the church in Western Washington. Well, last March, the Archdiocese of Seattle launched an online survey collecting nearly 8,000 responses from Catholics across the region. And that survey was followed by listening sessions centered on the preliminary elements of the mission statement, guiding principles and shared vision. Now, one of those two clergies, well, that included the good deacon. And joining us today is Tim Hunt. Tim is the executive director of planning and mission effectiveness for the Archdiocese of Seattle. Hello, Tim. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Brenda. Glad to be here. Well, Tim, that's quite a title. Executive Director, Planning and Mission Effectiveness. Kind of tell us a little bit about your background and what prepared you for that role. Yeah, Brenda, uh, working for the Archdiocese for eight years. Um, I've, I've worked as a assistant superintendent in our school's office. I've also worked as the communications director for the Washington State Catholic Conference. Um, before working for the church, um, I did a lot of work in communications and marketing, uh, also some statewide lobbying um, here in our, our local legislature. Uh, went back to get a, a business degree at Notre Dame, uh, where I met my wife, who, thank goodness, is also from this region, so we moved back here. Um, you know, really, I, I think it's about uh, getting a familiarity with our parishes, with our very, very uh, various ministries, of course, our schools, uh, and really the different communities that are out there, because so many of our parishes, while all Catholic, each have their unique uh, charisms, their personalities. So uh, I think just really getting a sense of the diversity of parishes that we have uh, here in Washington State and certainly in the Archdiocese of Seattle uh, has really prepared me for this role uh, and to really engage with the different parishioners and people out there, uh, the people of God. Well, Tim, you know, growing up, was your Catholic faith kind of a central element within your family or that kind of really drove you to to believe that, yeah, your future career was going to be serving God and the people in this community? I would say, Brendan, my faith was always important to me, and my parents certainly instilled in us the importance of attending Mass and uh, coming up through Catholic schools. Certainly, they made a sacrifice to send us to Catholic schools. Um, you know, all that said, I, I had no intention of working for the Church at all. It, you know, it it was funny because my mom actually was the first person to see an opening in the church and uh, mentioned that I should apply for that. And I thought, you know, mom, thanks. I, I, I appreciate it. I know you would love to have one of your sons. She has three sons uh, go work for the church in some capacity, perhaps as a member of the clergy. Um, but I really wrote it off. And what, what ended up happening is several other people actually mentioned the same role to me. And I was in the process of praying to God, asking him to help me know what my next step was going to be. And as I was praying one evening, I just realized, okay, well, I've got to also listen to God once he tells me things. And so uh, followed up, applied for the job, and really uh, uncovered a passion, um, really, of working for the church. Um, and especially here in, in, in Seattle, in the western Washington, uh, just, just an area that's really near and dear to my heart. And so it's a great opportunity to serve uh, the region, but really to serve the church and to grow in faith. Tim Hunt is the Executive Director of Planning and Mission Effectiveness for the Archdiocese of Seattle. He is our guest today as we talk about a pastoral plan that's being initiated in the Archdiocese of Seattle. 
Well, Tim, you know, I know how much has gone in thus far into this. That is a huge undertaking. Kind of tell us a little bit about the beginnings of this pastoral plan and how kind of all of these members came together to begin the process. Yeah, so I started in my role in October of 2019. And of course, this was right before COVID hit us and uh, began immediately asking for nominations from across the archdiocese of people to serve on this first pastoral council for the archbishop in in nearly 20 years. Uh, It has been 20 years since we've had a pastoral council. So um, March of 2020 came around and I had a list of 100 names uh, of people, very solid candidates from across Western Washington. Um, And, you know, so as I started my COVID experience, it really began with just making phone calls and interviewing these various nominees and, and really uh, recruiting, interviewing, and ultimately working with the Archbishop to select his pastoral council, which we now have, and uh, have been meeting since August of 2020. You know, I love that you described the beginning of your experience with this, because I worked with you in your capacity uh, as you assisted the, the Washington uh, State Catholic Conference of Bishops. And, you know, I think your expression of your mother's suggestion for you to consider taking part in the church goes to the, really the root of what this listening session that we're speaking of soon about the um, synodal process is, mm-hmm. that it's prompted by someone else. And that someone else mm-hmm. in this instance was your mother who was speaking mm-hmm. on behalf of the Holy Spirit to encourage you to do something you might not otherwise thought you were gifted or would be interested in doing. I think that is just a great, humble statement of your experience that really leads you to be such an effective instrument of God in this effort, not only for the pastoral council, but in this broader effort that the church is entering into in this synodal process, this process of listening. So tell me, when you uh, when you saw that responsibility come to the point where you were charged with bringing this council together, what was your first impression and where, what is it now that you're, uh, what, year and a half or so into this process? Well, when I first took the role uh, and when I had the pleasure of, of meeting with Archbishop Aitchen and, and really discussing with him, um, you know, his vision for the archdiocese, uh, what really had me was his focus on and devotion to to Jesus Christ and desire to really reinvigorate uh, the Catholic relationship with Christ and as the center point, that relationship that we all have personally, uh, but then also communally uh, with Christ, uh, to reinvigorate that as our launching pad and as his his launching pad um, as Archbishop here in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Um, So, you know, I would say my impression in first taking this role was certainly taking on elements of um, <clears throat> responsibility that in some ways I didn't have experience taking on, um, but also really feeling very, very much so that uh, Archbishop was being led by the Holy Spirit in terms of his desire to refocus on Christ and also um, <clears throat> his desire to work with the people of God in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that it wasn't, you know, it was really about becoming a church that is really listening and dialoguing uh, accompanying one another uh, in this in this life uh, as we all journey towards eternal life. I would say now I'm just completely, um, I mean, I'm in awe of the journey thus far. Uh, it, it hasn't looked like how I thought it might look when I first envisioned it. Um, even just the process of 
uh, developing a plan. Um, we've kept it intentionally very broad uh, to begin with because, uh, in his wisdom, Archbishop knows that the, the differences between each parish and really giving parishes, communities, families, um, individuals, um, allowing them to sit with uh, the scriptures, to sit with the overarching um, focus areas of the plan in order to live that out in the means by which they're being called by the Lord to do so. Um, and that's really just a beautiful thing that, it, again, goes back to this this idea that we're all members of the body of Christ. We all have a role to play. Um, but we've got to be in communion and talking to Christ in order to really be sent by him uh, for mission out into the world. Uh, right. As we developed the plan, uh, what really stood out to me were a couple of things, and, and, and this really keeps me right now, is that um, the, the council was very adamant about uh, launching the plan on Pentecost of 2021. And uh, so as we approached that date uh, and we were getting ready to launch that weekend, um, and of course here we are launching in the middle of COVID again, where uh, mm-hmm. the fanfare that was initially uh, in mind for such a launch, uh, it just wasn't a possibility for us. Um, so we're launching on Pentecost Sunday and it was the Friday before when a notice came from the Vatican, uh, letting everyone know that there was going to be a global diocesan listening effort in the lead up to this 2023 Bishop Synod. Well, we had just completed 90 listening sessions across the archdiocese. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much an affirmation that we are on the right track. Um, I would tell many in these listening sessions that this is not intended to be a one and done as in, we just come in, listen, and then we're out. You never hear from us again. Uh, really helping to trying to articulate Archbishop's vision that we are a listening church. Um, and it's in listening with one another, um, not just, you know, uh, a parishioner to clergy, but really parishioner to parishioner, uh, dialoguing, discerning as a community. Uh, that's where we really uh, are, are allowed to, or we have the gift, I should say, of, of encountering the Lord through one another and, uh, and accompanying one another through this life. So, it was great, an affirmation again uh, that we would keep listening, but also um, it helped us stay to our promise that we were not going to just have one listening session and be gone. As we move into Pope Francis's synod, uh, synodal process here locally, uh, we're really thrilled to be off on a, uh, in, in a good way based on our previous efforts. Uh, I think we have some great momentum. Uh, as of today, we have 150 local coordinators who will now be hosting these listening sessions across western Washington. My hope is to have uh, many hundreds, if not a thousand, uh, coordinators uh, when all is said and done. Uh, we are going to be providing training to these coordinators, but ultimately it's it's local conversations, local listening and dialogue, which not only presents, again, an opportunity for us to model that we are the body of Christ, but what an awesome opportunity, too, for our communities to engage uh, when many are thinking, gosh, how do we re-engage with with one another as church um, and get people back involved with church, uh, whether attending mass or just, just being reconnected to the community uh, as we are hopefully at least on the tail end of this global pandemic. So I think it's in many ways, a great gift. We've got great uh, momentum and uh, we're going to have some excellent training that will start up in the middle of November uh, that we will have available on our website, archseattle.org. 
Well, for the first time in more than 20 years, a pastoral council has been formed in the Archdiocese of Seattle with a mission to guide the principles and a shared vision for the Archbishop of Seattle. Tim Hunt is joining the show today. Well, now we've got all of this information, kind of what are the next step forward and when will the people of the Archdiocese of Seattle be able to see kind of sharing what the plan is going to be? Well, they can go online right now, and they can visit uh, archseattle.org, and that will take you to the pastoral plan, which was published on Pentecost back in May. They can also go online and see the synodal resources, which the Chancery, the Archdiocese, will be producing training for these local coordinators for these local listening sessions. I would encourage everyone to go look at that um, and, and, and take a look at the training that's available and to consider how they can engage one another locally, uh, on a small scale, on a one-to-one scale, as families, uh, as couples, as uh, small faith groups, to really walk with one another and consider the different ways that they have been walking with one another. But then also, what what more is being asked of them by the Holy Spirit at this point in time? It's not about, um, you know, this is much more than simply thinking about what to do to to fix the, the parish roof or the boiler. This is about how are we going to be church here in the third millennium uh, in Western Washington, which is a major undertaking. And so this is a great opportunity for us all to activate as members of the body of Christ. Oh, absolutely. A most exciting time. Well, we appreciate all of your time. Boy, Tim, there is a lot there, and I know there is more exciting things to come. So I sure appreciate your time today. Well, thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Deacon Scott. And again, that is Tim Hunt. He is the Executive Director of Planning and Mission Effectiveness for the Archdiocese of Seattle. I will be sure to add a link to where you can find that pastoral plan and more of the information that Tim has talked about in this interview. You're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview at materdayradio.com. You know, it came out in the interview that you were part of this pastoral plan. There was these surveys taken, but there were these listening sessions that Tim talked about. And I thought we'd spend some time talking about that because, boy, it sure feels like in our society, we like to talk a lot. But boy, when it comes time to listen, especially if we're listening to something that's unpleasant or we don't agree with, yeah, we're not going to listen very well. You were in on some of those listening sessions. Yeah. And I th- I think, you know, all of that predated the um, announcement of the synodal process by uh, the Holy Father. So it's the spirits working and prompting prior to that coming forth. And so it's just beautiful how that um, meshed together. And in that listening session component, which we did uh, upwards of a hundred listening sessions uh, across the archdiocese uh, with a whole mix of different people and, and different communities, we heard people actually want to be heard Mm. And it was powerful to listen to them as they expressed the, from, the, from the depths of their heart some of the pain and, and disconnection that they have in the church. And so as, as we hear it, uh, as, as those who are supporting the archbishop, it was painful to hear. And yet, at the same time, it was necessary. And like a parent hearing a child say, this is really what I need— not that we're parents of those people, but there is that relationship of 
listening, hearing, and acting that took place in those listening sessions. And our commitment at the end of those sessions each time is we want to follow up. This Archdiocesan Pastoral Council wants to follow up and listen more. And so that was the beautiful outcome of this. That was unexpected, but we definitely knew as we listened to these communities that there's communities that need to, we need to hear more from because they have so much that needs to be said and so much that needs to be heard. Scott, throughout this whole process and the different announcements, of course, from the Vatican and every archdiocese is beginning to open this, there is one thing very clear, that the pathway forward must be guided by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, well, lives and dwells in each one of us, but we do tend as people, we want it the way we say it, and we want it to go the way we have the vision for it. And that's exactly that's going to lead us away from what needs to happen here. And we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us. And with the Holy Spirit guiding us, it also means that we listen, but we also hear. And even when we don't agree with things so often on, we see it all the time on social media platforms. Mm -hmm. If you don't agree with something, you immediately stop listening and you start formulating your response. But this process is supposed to meant to be something wholly different. And again, that Holy Spirit has got to be the guide. Right, right. You know, when you when you get excited in a conversation with a friend or you get in an excited conference, conversation with even somebody that you dislike, when you have an idea that pops in your head and you think to yourself, I have to get that out. And then you start dwelling on how do I get that out? I need to get a break in this other person's conversation so I can say what's on my mind. Really what we should be doing is pausing in that moment, continuing to listen to the person and trust that the Holy Spirit will give us the time and give us the words to speak when that time comes. And that's a different approach. As, as subtle as that may seem, that's a significantly different approach when it's my responding to your prompting. I'm, I'm being, again, as I use so often, the docile to the Holy Spirit's guidance and trusting that there will be time in this conversation where I can express this point and it may likely have more impact if I'm patient than trying to get it out right now. And that's a hard thing to break because in this world of social media, we're, we're getting quickly bombarded by information. We feel so pressured. I got to get my statement out, right. right? Oh, absolutely. And Tim said that too. There is going to be an element of people wanting to, you know, direct the church in doctrine and, and, and hash out all of the things that they think is wrong with the church. That's not what we are heading into. What we are heading into is a process to be asked a question, to think about it, and then to give our thoughts. And also to be able to listen to other people because they have a different experience within the church also. We want to be able to give them opportunities to hear the question, to respond, and to be heard. So I think the Archdiocese of Seattle was very much set up for this opportunity that they've already been and having these listening sessions. Right. It was, it was, as Tim put it so eloquently, it was providential. Truly, God had a plan that was moving forward before we knew the ask. Mm. And then three days before we actually rolled the pastoral plan out on Pentecost of 2020, the Archdiocese, or the, the Vatican, the Holy Father comes out with this ask of all of the church. I mean, that is definitely that synergy that you uh, can't help but be awed by, just mm -hmm. awed by. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, we pray for the Universal Church. We pray for the church here in the United States. And we pray for the people here in the Archdiocese of Seattle and in the Archdiocese of Portland to enter into this process with hope and prayer, led by the Holy Spirit. Scott, will you end us in prayer? Yes. Lord Jesus, we are always amazed at your work in our lives. Help us to be more mindful of that reality. Help us to slow our minds and our responses so that we can speak the words that the Holy Spirit, who you promised, will guide us, will be the one to speak through us and not in spite of us. We ask for your strength in all that we do. In your name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. And that's going to do it for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.